there's a little bit of everybody getting involved. The technology, nonprofit organizations, and entrepreneurial efforts, there's a lot within the workplace itself. And all of these things have to come together to really look at baking human moments of connections into every part of our experience and our workplace design. Are you ready to reinvent your organization and create a workplace of the future? Welcome to the Optimized Workplace. My name is Fran Dean Bishop, and I'm the founder and CEO of Aerobody. Join me each week as I welcome innovators, A-listers, and trailblazers who will share their individual experiences with creating an optimized workplace. This podcast will inspire you to find new and unique ways of helping your organization thrive while providing an exceptional experience for your employees and nourishing their well-being. Ready to get started? Learn more at theoptimizedworkplace.co. Welcome to The Optimized Workplace. I'm your host, Fran Dean Bishop, where our discussions with influencers, experts, and innovators are helping transform the well-being and sustainability of today's workplaces and spaces. Today, I welcome a fabulous woman who I am so, so fond of, Becky Winchell, who serves as Thought Leadership and Innovation Director at Spiro, the global brand experience agency for the new now. I love that, the new now. She has more than 15 years of experience creating, executing, and advising content, PR, and social media strategies for startups to Fortune 500 companies. Before joining Spiro, Becky led content programming for PCMA for its largest event, Convening Leaders. She put me on one of her stages, folks. That's how we got got married here. And she worked with as a thought leadership for, for big partners. And you know these names, right? Marriott International, Hilton Hotels and Results, big cutting edge content for, for big brand professionals. But not just that. Before Becky went to Spiro, she was actually at Reagan Communications. Um, and I did a little work with them over there where we also um, collaborated, where she serves as editor of PR Daily, the largest publication for communication professionals and forged event hosting relationships with other big brand names. When I looked at this list, Becky, I was like, my gosh, girl, I knew you were, I knew you were something, but I didn't know you were like that. PayPal, Microsoft, Pfizer, GMA, Good Morning America, which I love, Twitter, Facebook, Estee Lauder, Nike, Disney. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So you're probably wondering, okay, Fran, so what's the deal? Why did you bring Becky on? Where she is really developing some really interesting thought leadership and content, as she just mentioned at Spiro. And I'm going to set this up as we get into this conversation around something called the Great Re. And that's R-E, right? The Great Re, uh, around something called Seven Human Needs. So she's going to get into this and uncover what that's all about. But let me just set it up. So the Great Re, these seven human needs are really attacking what human needs are today as as people, as brands face this massive reprioritization, reshaping, restructuring, reorienting of product services and the experience, right? The design experience is really crucial for them to look at what are the human needs that are underlying these shifts in consumer behaviors. And most importantly, for you talent managers, HR managers, you know, I know I, know I have a lot of um, developers and even COOs, CEOs on this that listen to our podcast. This is a great conversation to you think about how you're going to shift uh, your offerings to ensure maximum impact, great connection, and lasting brand loyalty. So without further ado, I really hope you love that setup. 
Becky Winchell, welcome to the, the Optimized Workplace. You. Thank you so much, Fran. It's so exciting to talk to you. And I will give this smallest little plug right now just to say, so it's uh, when we're doing a whole campaign around this. So if you follow us on social media, you'll see this. It's it's Spyro. And then the 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 great re is under our thought leadership program called Inspiro. So it's inspiring, right? Inspiro. Love that. Um, and that's where this and many other themes are are held and we break them up and we talk about them in uh, in conversations just like this. So we place them and we go, okay, how is it applicable to brands, to companies, to experiences, to events? Today, we're talking about how it's applicable to the workplace and to workplace wellness. I'm so excited. I love it. Yeah. I, so let's just jump into it. So can you tell our audience a little bit more about these seven human needs that um, Spyro is really trying to develop and uncover? So first, I think it's good to kind of do a, a really quick setup with the with the great read, just because it really sets it up for the seven human needs. And there's a lot of conversation going on, you know, in in news, in uh, across articles and pop culture about these great re eras, right? We're kind of having debates. Is it the great restart, the great reset, the great reemergence? Is it the great resignation? Is it over? Is it still happening? And the reason why we're having all of these conversations is because we are still collectively as a society and individually as people and employees um, and attendees having this inventory on our lives, on the culture that we are in, and on our very society about what's working and what's not. We're having this really moment of truth to really assess, you know, what is it that we really want? And, mm -hmm. and because of all of that reflecting and reprioritizing and all of that stuff, it's then causing businesses to have to restructure and rehire and reorganize. And, and within that, Really, the big point here is that in order in order to really move forward and thrive in the great re, we have to reassert and reestablish our own personal agency while at the same time accepting and even embracing that what we have established in the past as stable and constant is no longer. That there's a rapid fire change that's hitting us. And it's a paradox, right? I mean, how can we reconcile this? And that's where the seven human needs come, comes into play. Um, that's where we look at that in a way of building um, experiences, events, but I would also put it forth to the entire future of work to building, you know, thriving workplace communities and thriving workplaces, whether that's digital or um, in person or a mix thereof, um, have to play on these human needs because it's not a going back to what we had in the past. It's a moving forward. And the moving forward means playing on these needs. I absolutely agree with you. I think we're actually a little bit further ahead too, though. I mean, I think that companies have already recognized that uh, the remote worker and um, the worker coming back in the offices is just not happening. I was at a, a location um, here in D.C., just last week with the General Services Administration, GSA, the largest leaser of space pretty much in the world. Like they control quite a bit of lease space for the federal U.S. federal government. And they have already had clients, which are other federal agencies coming in, saying that they've actually sold their real estate property and they're looking at ways in which to um, um, do shared office experiences, which when I saw that from the federal lens that they were doing that, it's like, 
we're already there. Like the fact that the federal government has is caught up and recognized that no, people are not coming back into these offices. The shift that we're in is the now that we have to look at the lens of where people are and move according to that is where we are. So I think that you're absolutely right. We're we're I think we're in the flux of trying to figure it out, but the flux of thinking about going back to where we were is is no longer, right? So as a result of that, you know, how do we work together with employers and employees and brands and consumers to really reinvent this experience that we want people to have? So, you know, as we think about that, yes, tell us a little bit more about these seven human needs and what they mean. I really agree. We really are living in the new now. That's, you know, that's, that's what it is. This constant change, this constant state of flow. And I think that for a lot of companies and a lot of brands, they have embraced it. And for some, there is still that anxiety, right? That kind of yeah. pulling back of, you know, let's try to go. And how can we be okay with everything changing and reassert our place? Workplace is uniquely there to help us. We spend the most time there the most amount of people are there. There is such a huge potential. And even within that, then those experiences, whether that is an internal employee event, whether they're micro experiences, all of those things are uniquely positioned to help people. And then how you do that is to play off of the seven human needs that you you go into and you really understand them. And so we've identified these as the seven critical human needs that all experiences, and I would then expand to the workplace, needs a play off of. And they are helping people be heroes when they may feel financially inadequate, helping people feel in control in a world gone awry, helping people find solace in the face of external stresses, um, helping people find simplicity in the face of hyperstimulation. The fifth human need is helping people manage scarce time and elevating the quality of life that they have with their family, friends, and the communities that matter the most to them. Six is helping people to continue to learn, grow, and evolve. And then finally, helping people to feel connected, engaged, and supported in the face of all of this remoteness. And so those kind of comprise what we need to then play off of to help us to meet and thrive in the age of re. I love this. I really, really do. What's resonating with me the most is five and seven, because I think in the opt- in the world of the optimized workplace and, and looking at how we make well workplaces and the experiences in workplaces a healthier, um, more supportive, uh, more collaborative, more connected, more creative uh, connection for people and people feel like they really are thriving. I think this idea that you have a number five of helping people manage scarce time and elevating their quality of life. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm wrong. Number four, helping people find simplicity in the face of hyperstimulation, I think is so, so critical. And it's interesting when you walk through a workplace um, or you walk through, I'll give you an example, walk through a minimal space where, you know, it's all about minimalism, where it's it's the footprint is neutrals of color. The footprint is, you know, light, but comfortable furniture, but airy in design. The footprint is that the, the lighting and the, the air quality is good in the system and that the environment is inviting and it makes you feel comfortable is very simplistic. If it's designed well, it can be incredibly simplistic, right? But at the same time, it it nurtures the soul. It helps people feel really good and comfortable. And to your point, 
it helps people fight that hyper stimulation. So um, I, that completely resonates with me uh, in terms of you know what you guys are are championing here. I, I love that that particular piece. Well, and it's really interesting that you you picked up on that immediately. That's not a not a surprise with with your specialty, Fran. You know, but. Also, I look at exactly what you said, and I I roll into, I saw that the American Society of Interior Designers, this is their trend outlook um, for 2023. So they talk about mental health needs, which is reducing Mm -hmm. stress and unease, and maximizing natural light. Exactly what you just said. Um, Health and wellness, top priorities. Um, And they say within the built environment. And so what that means is really not only building in places that will help. So I think that in, incorporates ergonomic design, that it, that incorporates simple design, the, just like you were saying earlier, that incorporates uh, spaces to move um, and to interact. But I also think that when you're designing, especially when you're designing for culture and experience and then events, even if it's not a particular event, um, you also design for time. And that means mm. allowing enough white space for people to be able to breathe, to be able to feel and think and process all of your messages. Because just like we're talking about of people, you know, really needing solace in the face of of this hyperstimulation and, and to be able to kind of take a breath, you can imagine that sitting at your desk all day being, you know, just barraged with emails, with with calls, with messages, with social media, your phone's dinging. Perhaps, you know, if you work at home, your your child or your dog or your cat might be, you know, asking for attention in the background. And all of these things are vying for our attention. And so, you know, intentionally building space for that to happen and for us to process allows important messaging to sit. And then they also say sustainability and designing for the metaverse and digital spaces. So that to me then says it's less about the metaverse itself, but mm-hmm. more about how then do you infuse all of these things, all that simplicity, all that intentional design and white space and light into the digital as well as the physical. And how do you like infuse that. it in people's homes? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's great to see that we're having this conversation now, I think, and that to your point that consumers, employees are at the heart and the bedrock because so often these decisions are made top down, but because of the great re, as you described it earlier, you know, Joe Blow in facilities or someone who's who's uh, not part of leadership or not part of the C-suite can be part of this collaborative conversation because they're just as important to that organization and their lives matter just as much into that organization. And now because of, I think the resettling, we're all at a baseline where people are willing to have this conversation um, collectively. I think that also gets into your point number seven, which was helping people to feel connected, engaged, and supported in the face of remoteness. You want to say more about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I would also, after we're done with this, I, I would love to go back to the the time really quickly because something that you said tripped off uh, an, a top-down approach versus, you know, really looking at your employees as well. Um, but that's also within every element of, of this, including the connected into feeling that support in the face of remoteness because so many of us are valuing remote work and and the flexibility of work but also um we are facing you know these 
increasing numbers of uh, mental uh, uh, stress. We're facing increasing numbers of burnout. We're facing, you know, increasing numbers of um, people reporting, you know, mental health issues. So, for example, um, roughly 3.7 million people reported feeling lonely often or always within um, a span of time between 2020 and 2021. Not surprising, as many of us were isolating, um, but also uh, we've seen from the Mental Health of America that almost 20% of U.S. adults, so that's nearly 50 million people just within the U.S. alone, have experienced mental illness, and more than 15% of U.S. youth have experienced a major depressive episode. And so we're talking not only about these feelings of being perhaps disconnected or reconciling. There's that reconciling, right, of, of how do I accept all this technology and change and innovation, but also finding new ways to connect and feel like I am connected to people. But yeah. at the there's this overlayer on top of wellness. And there's a little bit of, of everybody getting involved. The technology, nonprofit organizations and, um, you know, entrepreneurial efforts. There's a lot uh, um, within the workplace itself. And all of these things have to come together to really look at baking human moments of connections into every part of our experience and our workplace design. So it really is asking ourselves how we are looking past what might have historically been transactional relationships of, you know, you're, you're my employee, I provide a salary, you provide me work, and we're now moving into, you know, how am I really looking at them past that and approaching employees as groups of humans with individualized needs? Um, am I building a workplace culture and then um, touch points? So that might be, you know, lunch and learns. I know that's an older term, but, you know, uh, uh, development, uh, little um, little experiences, micro experiences, all the way up to, you know, how are we reimagining what used to be the annual event? you know, or, or our, you know, company-wide event. Um, how am I baking these with these individual needs in mind so that I'm building moments of connections that play on the drivers, the emotions, and all the concerns that every one of my people have? And how am I building and providing space for people to find common ground, both within structure and spontaneously? We have listeners that are in a couple of different quadrants. So we have listeners who come from the real estate development field. We have listeners that come from the talent management space. And then we have listeners that come from kind of the communication space. And I think you're, you're, you're hitting on a really important point is that, you know, how do we unpack this so we get real solution driven around it? In the real estate space, for instance, we're seeing, again, that shared workspace environment. We we toured a um, a development here in D.C. last week, which is now very live work. The developers are they're 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 um, partnering with and collaborating with retailers. So it's a live work environment so that that cuts down or, or completely shortens the the um, the commute. So we're not going back to the remote commute where it was five minutes, right? But it's at least it's a maybe it's a 10-minute commute versus a 50-minute a commute because people don't want to get back in the cars and commute again and get back into these offices. 
And we know that we've had it from some of our talent folks that have been on that are talking about what they're providing from a benefits perspective, more mental health support, um, more uh, um, more dollars that that people can spend on setting up, as you mentioned earlier, kind of an ergonomic workspace or an inviting workspace at home or an optimized workspace, as we like to talk about. But how about we talk about for a moment, what are some of the solutions or the solutions look like from a design aesthetic perspective? If you were to take this idea and the notion of some of the research you've just mentioned, Becky, and then bring it into a um, experience, a live experience or a live event, what are some of the solutions that perhaps um, may be helpful for our listeners to think about? You mentioned kind of the lunch and learns and, and snack bites, but is there anything else that you would want to share? I think really overall, there needs to be a variety of different designs, and that means both in content and in physical design. And so because then you're you're attacking both or maybe not attacking, but you're approaching both. You're you're offering solutions to both the time and the space, um, you know, conundrum that we're dealing with. So with that, it's looking so at an event, for example, it's looking at, you know, areas and pockets where um, you can collaborate so that those spontaneous meetings can happen because mm-hmm. spontaneous meetings can happen, but sometimes they need a little push to happen as well. So you can build intentionally. And I think that's the big thing is building intentionally and with human needs at the center, because regardless if you're creating for an event or for a workplace, you know, it really comes down to how well you know your attendee, your employee, your mm-hmm. customer, and realizing that they are people now are values based. When you create a design, it is looking at, you know, how do I place, for example, uh, chairs and couches, but maybe in a clothes that allow for those spontaneous conversations outside of rooms that might be reserved for workshops, for example, or how do I better you know, get it where it's not just a, a circular round, um, mm-hmm. but maybe tables that are that are um, towards each other or an innovative use of light or event technology that allows people to get up and interact a little bit more with the with the information and the messaging and um, overall the offerings that you're presenting. And that that can exist in a number of ways, you know, holograms, projection that can include, you know, using iPads and, and using um, AR and uh, VR, uh, augmented reality and virtual reality technology, mm. all sorts of things like that. But I think it is it is really, you know, you can play off of and especially promote wellness and and well-being in general by getting people involved, by participating. And that happens over a range. And then also being very intentional with that. And I I think really at the span of it, it's important to understand something that we at Spyro um, not only use as the backbone to how we create experiences, but we also are presenting it currently um, in another Inspiro theme called the Core Four. And it's this concept of what we call ARL, which is all real life. And what we tell people is it's not... It's not that your experience now can only exist IRL in person or URL digitally or even hybrid, right? Which is just kind of this mushing of the two together. But instead, people now toggle back and forth 
between the digital and the physical spaces and all of the in-between spaces. And so those are the things that I'm talking about, right? Those are those are those spontaneous moments of connection. That's understanding that we exist and all of our experience are are equally valid and and should be considered when doing it. And different people want to connect in different ways and experience things in different ways. They might want to watch on demand. I I for example really love my husband and I love um, a podcast called the H3 podcast. And even such a simple, very straightforward thing like that, or this podcast is this is the same thing happening right here of what you would think is a very straightforward, um, you know, presentation, people will interact with it in a number of ways. There mm-hmm. are people that watch live, there are people that watch live and are very involved in the chat. There are people that like to participate in their polls. There are people that will post in their subreddit or their discord during there mm. are people that don't watch the video but only want to listen to it you know uh only want to listen to it as you know as a, a oral podcast there mm-hmm. are people that want to watch it later there are people that only want to watch the highlights so they break them up and they put it on their youtube channel and I, and that's what you do also with the optimized workplace podcast all of those things are embracing arl and that's the same concept that we look at when you produce, whether it's content programs. So not just only doing 60 minute long keynotes and panels over and over and over and over again, but finding these ways and then finding ways for people to participate. So is that a, you know, lunch and learn? Is that a, you know, plan a thon? Is, are those little tiny things? Is it a scavenger hunt? Yeah. All of those things can happen. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love it. I think this is a great setup too. So I've already asked Becky, everyone, to come back and share with us because Spyro is doing quite a bit around, um, you know, this this whole notion. Or it's not really a notion, but it's you know the 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 AI and the metaverse and how you're bringing those experiences now also into that real collaborative experience, real live in real time. I was in an event end of last year in Palm Springs, um, California. And they had a metaverse, you know, but they had the, you know, the huge clunky goggles and all that kind of stuff. But now as, you know, people are getting more familiar with the metaverse and more familiar with AI, they're finding ways in which we can get involved with that community without having to put on the goggles because everybody can't afford the $4,000 Oculus goggles. So whatever the ways we can do it. And I love that. So I would love to continue this conversation, especially in getting into that digital footprint, um, Becky, because I think that that is enormous. And there's so there's so much richness to people being able to think about how do I bring that into a workplace and again, take that experience so people can play with it in other places. Anything else you want to say on that before we uh, finish on this area? I would just say whomever your audience really is to really ask yourself if you truly know them and they have changed quite a bit. And so that all of these wonderful things require a getting to know your audience again. Anything that you can find to better than play and iterate and improve upon. That's really the key here because it's, it's a mm. continually growing and an yes. innovative process. It's not a, you find your, one you know, you find your answer <laughs> one and done, check it off the list. This yeah. Those, those things are gone. Thing. They have sailed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have long sailed. Well, I'm hoping everybody's long. realizing why I wanted Becky on. She is a walking encyclopedia of content. And I think that you exemplify that today, Becky, in so many different ways. I so appreciate 
the research that you did in bringing that to us, but also the thought leadership. It shows a lot in terms of what you're doing at Spiro, but more importantly, what you're doing out in the universe to kind of spread this message around changing the, the whole playbook when it comes to live experiences. So I cannot wait for you to come back and join us again. I'm so excited, Fran, to have another communication like this. Have another wonderful conversation and and we can talk about the future, future of work, the future of experiences. I yes. love it. For those of you who cannot see us because you're on audio, Becky has this amazing background. It looks like Hawaii, maybe. I don't know. I'm channeling Hawaii. Is that Hawaii? It could be. Yeah, it could be. Let's channel Hawaii. Let's channel. Why not? Why not? Why not? I think that's good. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a it's an optimum time of year. I know. So the days are getting longer. I'm in Sweden. The days are getting longer, but seemingly not enough. You know, the March March time. By the time you hit the middle of March to yes. beginning of April, you're about ready to just kind of do anything to see the sunlight again. Yeah. Uh, and so you know, you have to embrace it and workplace wellness. And you're doing you know, it. You're doing design. it. You're feeling, I'm, fe- I'm seeing it. I'm seeing, I'm so, <laughs> I am so impressed. Let me tell you, as a workplace well-being diva, I can tell you, I'm very impressed. You got it. You got it, girl. Thank you all for joining us today for the Optimized Workplace podcast. We are so thankful to have Becky on and we appreciate you listening and being with us. And remember, it's many monumental shifts they can make the biggest difference in your day and the life of your workplace. I'm Fran Dean Bishop. Thank you for being with us and have a great day, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Optimized Workplace. For more insights and resources, visit theoptimizedworkplace.co. If you enjoyed this episode, please help spread the word and share with those who will enjoy it as well. See you soon.